You have the go-ahead to start the stream. The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Well, hello and welcome back to everyone to the next session of the Mountain State Council of the Blind Convention. Welcome to all those who are joining us on ACB Media 8. I want to thank our streamer, Nikki, for keeping us on the air. And I want to also thank our host, Tori, for keeping the Zoom room safe. So um, this afternoon, we've got a couple of presentations. Uh, and then we will, well, we've got a few door prizes to throw in there, too. That's always fun at conventions is door prizes. Uh, so this afternoon, we're going to um, hear from, two, well, two different people. And then we do have a recorded. Uh, hopefully, everything will work right with that because it's, it's wonderful information. Um, then we will break. Uh, by three o'clock for, and then we'll have our Mountain State Council business meeting, which will not be streamed. And we'll be back on the air at 6.30 this evening on ACB Media 8. So our next presenter is here. And I want to thank, uh, Carol's gonna actually do the official introduction here in just a minute, but we have Maggie Felton from Vanda, and Vanda is one of our runner sponsors. And we certainly thank you, Vanda, for your continuous support of ACB and all its affiliates. They assist with the national convention as well as probably pretty much all of the state affiliate conventions. Uh, so, Carol, would you introduce our next presenter. Okay. Um, Maggie Felton, a nurse educator and um, for Vanda, will discuss non-24 sleep disorder. And um, she graduated from Old Dominion University as a family nurse practitioner and <clears throat> Pardon me, currently resides in Maryland with her family. As a nurse educator, Maggie works with various organizations and support groups, helping blind and visually impaired individuals uh, to learn <clears throat> about the connection between blindness and sleep struggles. So Maggie, welcome, and you may entertain us now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Carol and Donna, for these very super warm welcome. I appreciate it, and it's so nice to be here again. Um, you guys are so extremely kind and welcoming and always um, just so welcoming to learning and um, get information about this uh, very important topic. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And nothing like talking about sleep right after lunch. Boy, <laughs> this fits probably right in. Um, and I did want to just say a comment, um, just an off topic to about your previous presenter. Um, and I did not get a chance to 
uh, fully listen, but I do have to just a comment on the pampered chef. So I, <laughs> I do have a, um, a stone baking dish from pampered chef that I got maybe gosh, 10 years ago. And I still use it till this day. And I, I love it. They have really, really super great products. Um, anyways, so my name is Maggie. I'm a nurse. Um, I work for Vanda and I talk about non 24 and various uh, support groups. I'm sure you guys um, have heard a presentation at some point, um, you know, a little bit about NAD24. So I'm hoping to give you just a tiny bit more, maybe something that you haven't learned before. And, um, and I'll try to also make time for um, some Q&A as well. Um, just so you guys know, in case you hear an exit coming from me, um, I'm going to try to spare you from trying to figure out where I'm from uh, for the next 15 minutes or so. Uh, so I am from Poland. I was born and raised. I moved here when I was 14 years old. And so most of my accent is gone, but every now and then it comes out. So if you hear it, that's where that's what it is. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right in, talk about non-24, um, and that's N. It is a sleep disorder, it's a circadian rhythm disorder, and it is a serious chronic condition. So it is not something that comes and goes. It's not like flu, it's not like corona. Uh, if you have this, you, chances are this is something that you have to deal with for life. And it is heavily influenced by light perception and therefore it is very common in those individuals who are totally blind, have no light perception, Maggie lost connection. Yeah. I'm back on. Yep. Uh, yeah, you're it, back. I, <laughs> <laughs> it just went out, but came right back in. So I'll go ahead and just continue. So um, it is a serious chronic condition that affects individuals who are totally blind, um, who have no light perception. However, it is not exclusive to those who are totally blind. Anyone can be affected by this. Uh, fully sighted individuals can be affected by this. It's just more prevalent to those who are totally blind. And we know that up to, gosh, 70% individuals who are totally blind may um, have this and may not even know it. And it doesn't matter whether somebody was born blind um, or became blind later in life. Um, it affects in a similar way. Men and women equally can happen at any age. Um, and most often, people notice the symptoms shortly after they start losing their eyesight. Okay, so here are the classic symptoms. Uh, the very first one, it is the nighttime sleep impairment. And what I mean is people who have this, they will tell you that not only they have a hard time going to sleep at nighttime, they have a hard time staying asleep, a few hours if they're lucky. Uh, and in fact, they'll tell you when they go to bed and they tuck themselves in, um, maybe they ha have practiced some good sleep hygiene. We'll talk about that in just a minute. They try to do everything they can to uh, fall asleep, uh, but they just can't. Um, nothing works. And they eventually give up 
and they get up and they do all sorts of things at nighttime, anything from vacuuming, doing laundry, you know, paying the bills, maybe doing the dishes. I mean, they're just very, very active. Um, and so um, it has to do with hormones, cortisol and melatonin. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, that's essentially what happens in those who have non-24. And the same token, those individuals have a hard time staying awake during the day um, to the point where it truly affects their quality of life. So it's very hard to stay um, uh, present uh, for, uh, you know, things that you have on schedule for. So and a lot of times people notice that um, their sleep patterns are different from um, people around them. And so the third very common symptom to this is what makes it, um, in my opinion, uh, distinguishes it from other sleep disorder. It is this uh, cyclical uh, or this uh, sleep that feels like it's a roller coaster. It feels like your sleep is all over the place. Um, there is no rhyme or reason. Sometimes you're sleeping at two in the afternoon. Sometimes it's 6 p.m. Sometimes it's 9 a.m. It truly just feels like it's all over the place. And that's very different from some of the other sleep disorders, like maybe insomnia or sleep apnea or some you know, or maybe struggles from sleep due to anxiety or stress, um, or maybe someone's having uh, sleep troubles because of backaches uh, or recent surgery, or maybe some medicine that you've been put on that's keeping you up at night. Um, those are some of the things that doctors typically ask about uh, in in hopes to kind of differentiate, is this not 24 or is this something else? Is this because of stress? Is this because of anxiety? Is this because of aches and pains? Is it because you're snoring and you have sleep apnea and if you, uh, your partner snores or, or you're, you're, you're wearing a CPAP, you're very much familiar with this. Um, so those are very, very common uh, uh, classic symptoms to not 24. So how does this work? Um, we all have um, special cells in our eyes. So our eyes have two main jobs. The first one is to see things, um, objects, colors, images. But the second important job that our eyes have is to have the ability to detect light. And essentially, that's how our circadian rhythm works. Um, it's able to detect light uh, through the senses in our eyes. And it sends the message to the brain says, hey, there's light. And as a result, the body um, sends out different hormones. I know you guys have heard of cortisol. I know you have heard of melatonin. And cortisol is the hormone that we make most of first thing in the morning. We make tons of it. It is the alert, awake, active hormone. It is the hormone that gets us going for the day. We make most of it in the morning. Uh, and then we make less and less and less as the day progresses. And as you guessed in the evening, as the sun goes down, our body makes melatonin. And as you know, melatonin is the hormone that helps us fall asleep. Um, it is the calm hormone that helps us get settled in, uh, gets our sleep going. And for most people, that's how it works. But uh, unfortunately, in for individuals who are not able to sense delight every single morning, um, or maybe they do sense delight, but the message just never truly gets to the brain that there is light. Um, and because of that, our brain or our body clock runs on its own clock. Um, that's different than for most people. And what does that truly mean? Well, um, scientists have discovered um, in, gosh, in the 19th, 
1930s, late 1930s, that humans um, have a circadian rhythm that's a little bit more than 24 hours. Um, and they know this because they put people in cave-like environment. And so they removed clocks, uh, any uh, notice that maybe there's daytime or nighttime. And they ask people just to sleep when they're sleepy, um, stay awake when they're awake, eat when they're hungry. And they pretty much watch them and document it. You know, how long do they sleep? How long do they stay awake? And they learned that people actually have a circadian rhythm that's a little bit longer than 24 hours. And in fact, most of us are like 24 hours and three minutes or 24 hours and five minutes or 24 hours and 15 minutes or 30 minutes and so on. Um, so we're all a little bit different. So this nature has developed a way to erase that extra time and keep us all on the same schedule. And it does that through this detection of light every single morning. Those cells in our eyes can sense that light and erase that extra time. So if someone cannot detect that light um, or uh, maybe the message never truly gets there, they're, they're running on their own clock. So, so what does that truly mean? Well, let's say my personal clock is 24 hours and 30 minutes, and I go to bed tonight at 10 p.m. Well, it may not beginning of the clock. My body says, okay, 10 p.m. I can work with that. It's the beginning of, of, of our cycle. I'm going to make my melatonin at nighttime and my cortisol in the morning. Well, tomorrow night when I go to bed at 10 p.m., the body says, nah, I'm not quite ready at 10. Uh, I have extra 30 minutes. My clock is 24 hours and 30 minutes. I'm ready at 10.30. Well, that might not be really that bad or a problem. Um, so, but the following night, the body says, no, I'm not ready till 11. Next night, 11.30, then it's midnight and 1 a.m. and 2 a.m. and 3 and so on and so on. So before you know it, the day turns into night, night turns into day. And as a result, our body is making those hormones, cortisol and melatonin at the most inappropriate time. So you can imagine that people have 924 when they go to bed at in 10 p.m. and they try to go to bed, uh, when the body's making cortisol, it is impossible to fight it. It is impossible to trick your body to make it go to sleep. And that's why people give up and they get up and they're very, very active at nighttime. And that's essentially how non-24 works and that's how it's connected to people who are visually impaired, people who um, don't have light perception or a or people who are totally blind. But as I said, you don't have to be totally blind. Uh, various vision loss people have this and even sighted individuals can be affected by this. Um, so really, what can you do? This is, this is a very common question that people ask, you know, what can you do about it? Well, um, number one, the first thing uh, you should do is you should talk with your provider, um, talk with your doctor, and it doesn't have to be a specialist, it doesn't have to be a, a sleep specialist, or any other specialist, go and see someone that you know, you love and you trust, you're a nurse practitioner, or somebody that's been treating you for a while, somebody that knows your his, phys, physical history, your mental history, uh, your medical history, they're the best person to uh, look into for the possible cause because majority of the diagnosis 
comes from symptoms. Um, there's no diagnostic test that can tell you, yes, I have this. No, I don't have this. Um, so majority of this comes from um, symptoms. And um, a lot of physicians out there still are not very much aware of NOT24. So you want to be your own best advocate. Um, uh, you want to uh, be able to share with the doctor uh, the symptoms and you want to say to them, hey, have you heard of NOD24? Because if they haven't, um, you can educate them. Uh, and by the way, anyone out there would like an audio brochure or any information um, on NOD24 or anything else, please reach out to me. I'll be more than happy to share that with you. What else can you do? Um, try, uh, have a sleep diary, uh, nothing simple, uh, nothing fancy, just a little piece of paper and uh, for a couple of weeks and write down on there. Um, when are you sleeping? When are you awake? Are you, are you, do you feel rested? Uh, do you feel groggy um, often? Um, do you, how, how long do you sleep? Um, you know, those are our things that are, that will help the physician help to navigate uh, what is the really the true uh, root and cause. That's what we're trying to find out. What is the root um, and cause of your sleep problems? Because you want to make sure you get to the right diagnosis and you don't have to go through a dozen of different um, treatment options before they figure out what is um, causing your sleep troubles. Um, what else can you do? A lot of times people talk about something called sleep hygiene and sleep hygiene is nothing more but a fancy word for some of the things that you can do to help you sleep better. Everyone should practice sleep hygiene, um, good sleep hygiene measures to help them sleep. Um, and when I mean sleep hygiene, it's anything from number one, having a good sleep schedule, um, having, um, being able to exercise, um, and when I say sleep schedule, um, going to bed around the same time every night, our bodies love to be predictable. They want to know what's happening ahead of time because they, it does like to produce certain hormones ahead of time. It likes to be prepared. Uh, some people shared with me that they do things like uh, maybe having some white noise in the background help them fall asleep. Some people don't like any noise at all. They like super quiet. Some people like to um, listen to an audiobook right before bedtime. Some people have shared with me, um, this is something that I've learned from a support group uh, member, is to drink warm milk before bedtime. So of course I had to uh, research that and sure enough, warm milk uh, helps uh, create the production of melatonin in the evening. And uh, that explains why my mom, when I was little, make me drink, made me drink warm milk when I was little. I, I hated it, uh, but now I understand why. Um, some, um, some people um, talk about, you know, food, you know, when should I eat food? Uh, I always say, uh, don't eat food right before bedtime, uh, at least two hours before you go to bed. Um, it takes at least, it takes about four hours to digest a full meal. Think about that, four hours. So imagine eating a full meal and then laying down horizontally um, and your food's not fully digested. Our bodies don't make as much uh, gastric acid um, at nighttime. So it takes even longer to digest the food. The food just sits there. It can back up, cause things like GERD, acid reflux, uh, and it can be very painful. Yeah, um, you want to avoid that. Um, uh, it does, the food that we've eaten 
doesn't pass through our uh, gut system as fast at nighttime. Uh, the peristalsis is slowed down. So constipation comes along with it. Um, our bodies don't make um, insulin like it does during the daytime. So here you, you know, you have to consider, uh, you know, insulin resistance and diabetes. Um, when, when you talk about sleep, a very important part of part of that. Um, your food, your the food that you've eaten go straight into your love handle. So um, this circadian rhythm doesn't just control uh, our sleep, it really truly controls everything that our body does. When we digest our food, uh, when we make hormones, our bodies are typically cooler at nighttime, for example, you know, we make cholesterol, our liver makes cholesterol at nighttime, very important as well. Um, our hair and nails grow at nighttime, all those things are controlled by the circadian rhythm. Um, and the indicator that it's out of sync, it's not on a proper schedule. Sleep is a huge, huge indicator to that. So if you have symptoms of non-24 um, and you uh, you are totally blind, uh, it's a high, high, high suspicion of non-24. So again, what can you do? Um, try with um, talking with your provider, try a sleep diary, uh, try practice good sleep hygiene. Um, everyone should practice this. If none of the sleep hygiene measures are helping you, uh, that's a good indicator. This could be non-24 because truly the only thing that can reset um, or keep you on schedule when you have non-24 is um, that presence of light. That is a number one indicator. So sleep hygiene is very important from for all people, but when it comes to non-24, it's not enough to reset your clock. So if if your symptoms are to the point where you feel like you need to seek help, um, then you need to do something about it. Start with your provider um, and the sleep diary. Also, anyone out there that would like to gain more information about non-24, learn more about non-24, how it affects you, uh, maybe share some symptoms, feel free to reach out to me. I am happy to connect you to the right person, give you the right resources. Um, that is my goal. And I'll just put my my phone out, out there. Uh, but uh, also, I believe my information will be available through uh, the Council of the Blind, and Donna will be able to share that with you. Uh, but my telephone number is 202 Five seven nine eight zero three five, and again, my name is Maggie uh, Felton, M A G G I E, and I am the nurse for non twenty four with Vanda. So I feel like I shared a lot of information uh, in a very short time. So I'm not sure how much time we have left, but I am happy to um, hand it over um, and answer some questions if there aren't any. If there are any questions. So we have time if anyone has any questions or comments or whatever. I don't um, see any raised hands yet. You don't see any. Okay. And anybody, you can raise those hands. <clears throat> oh, we have one. Okay. Musi. Go ahead, Musi. Can you hear me? Uh, well, kind of. Uh, try, no. try again. 
Hello, Missy. Hello, can you hear me? Mm, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yes. yes. Oh yes. my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just was, I heard a recent theory that your body is stuck in fight or flight and you can't go to sleep. Is, is that different from anxiety or, um, you know, the nervous system is set on. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's my question. Sure. No, that's a great question. So fight and flight um, response is something that we often refer to when we talk about cortisol. Um, so this this fight and the production of cortisol um, gives you this fight and flight response, meaning it keeps you alert, active, awake. And so um, it is really the the it's supposed to be a good thing. The fight and flight response is a good thing. It is a way you for your body to kind of give you this energy. This is when a baby gets trapped um, or somebody gets trapped under a car and, and people regain these superhuman strength. This is your fight mm -hmm. and flight response where, you know, when it kicks in or when you, you know, get chased by a rob, you know, when a robber, you get in trouble and they chase you, you kind of, you, it kind of kicks in that, you know, that instinct um, to run or, you know, that is your fight and flight response. Um, the, when you say we get stuck in this fight and flight response, what happens is um, when people experience, and this happens very often, undergo this lengthy amounts of stress um, and anxiety uh, due to several factors that could happen in your life, right? Whatever this could be, whether it's 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 emotional or whether it's physical, whether it's physical pain or it's it's is emotional uh, induced anxiety or stress. Um, it, regardless, when you have this constant uh, release of this cortisol, um, it's no longer becomes the fight and flight per se. It's just constant tension. And so uh -huh. your body is essentially um, goes through this process and then it like, for a better lack of word, poops out, right? So you get this fatigue. So mm -hmm. we go on the, in your body, this under, is under this constant inflammation and cortisol inflammation often go hand in hand. And, and so this is a precursor to many, many conditions. Mm -hmm. We believe that inflammation is the beginning and process of most disease states. And that's where it all starts. So that's why yoga and meditation and exercise and sleep are such an important component in health because we want to get rid of the inflammation. We want to get rid of that constant release of cortisol, which will make you stuck in this fight or flight uh, emotion and cause havoc on your body because initially it's just nervousness, ADHD, but then eventually you just poop out and you have this chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. um, and we see that a lot, a lot often when people, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, for most people, when you start, oh, you can't, it's just, you don't have enough, you have enough in the morning to get you through, but then you don't have enough to get you throughout the day. Those, mm -hmm. those are very common symptoms. Um, mm -hmm. It's not, um, it's, it's, it's not really um, similar to non-24, but it can feel like that to a lot of people because the symptoms 
can be very similar. You just feel fatigued all the time. You feel tired all the time. If you're sleepy and exhausted, then you may be awake all the time because you're in this constant cortisol response state. Um, but the root and cause is very different, but the symptoms are very similar. And that's why often it's very hard to try to figure out what is causing your sleep issues. Is this the constant fight and flight because of stuff that's going on with you? Or is it not 24, right? Thank Good you. Good question. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for asking. So Tori, let's take the hand on the, the attendees and then we'll do the ones on the panelists. Okay. Agnes. Hello, everybody. Hey. Um, hey, I've got two questions. Is there a drug to treat non-24? Great question, Agnes. So I always, um, I love getting that question um, and I don't love getting that question. Number <laughs> one, I love getting that question because yes, of course, there is treatment available, of course, and you should see your physician about it. Second part of this question, um, I often can't talk about non-24 <laughs> treatment, the drug itself. I never, ever want anyone out to think that I come on these or would give these presentations to promote a treatment, uh, promote a certain drug that is never our goal. So I tried to stay away to talk about the drug because uh, I'm not a salesperson. I'm a nurse and right. I want to educate people on the condition. But yes, there is treatment available and anyone out there would like to learn more about the drug reach out to me and I'll be able to give you, forward you the information. Thank you for asking that. You're welcome. And the other question I have, can people who have sleep apnea who are blind, or as you said, sighted people could get this too, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So could a person have a combination of the two? Absolutely. Um, and uh, in fact, there are two very different conditions. So absolutely, you can have one or the other or both at the same time because sleep apnea is really a breathing disorder. Um, it is where your body just cannot get the air um, and therefore you need to be treated with the CPAP. That's where the snoring comes in. You just, your body has a hard time get in the air, whether because you have obstruction in your neck or it's because of um, uh, something going on within the, uh, the brain system, but most often it's just because of an anatomy of your neck. Um, very different from non-24 because non-24 is a uh, brain, should I say eye versus brain disorder, uh, not a physical abnormality or, or obstruction disorder. Yes, you can have both. Great and question. And lastly, can people who have only have prosthetic eyes have this as well? Um, yes. Um, just like, um, just like really, truly, if you think about it this way, um, you can have outside of our, outside of being able or not being able to see our eyes have these specialized cells. They may be, uh, the, they may be working properly, uh, whether you have eyes or you don't have eyes, whether you have prosthetic eyes or not, or they may not be functioning at all, not related to the prosthetic eye. So um, you could, yes, the answer is yes. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you for asking. 
Okay. Um, did you want to do the panelists? Yeah. Or the yeah. Other, or the uh, other? We'll, we'll do the panelists first, then we'll we'll get back to you, Jamaica. We we okay. see you. <laughs> so, okay. Chris. Yes. Um, since we, our skin is our biggest organ, hmm? and we know that sun exposure helps with our vitamin D. Can our sun exposure during the day assist with this condition? Yes. Yeah, so that is a great question. One of the main questions, I guess, can we process the light in any other way um, than through our eyes, like your skin? So um, simple answer is no. Light through, the light that actually comes through your retina and your eyes is required for the circadian rhythm alignment um, within the, the external environment. Now, the, I do have to say that getting the sun on your skin at least 20 minutes a day is extremely important because this vital part of um, that whole cascade of hormones. So it aids in the process. Um, so it's, it's almost an additive process, but the actual light perception through our eye is our main um, circadian rhythm reset. Okay, and what difference does uh, the change in season make in this condition? Great question as well. Um, the 924 is not affected by seasons at all. It just runs its clock year round, whether it's winter, summer, whether you live in Alaska, it doesn't matter. It just does its own thing regardless of the environment. Um, now, everybody else does exp experience seasonal changes. Um, and so, or, or if you're, you know, traveling somewhere, where, you know, where you, there's a time zone change, our body has a way of adjusting to that. Uh, it takes a few days, uh, but our body has a way of adjusting to that by the signals received through our eyes. But 924 is not affected by any of those changes. It just runs on its own uh, schedule. Thank you. You're welcome. All Tim. right, Mr. Tim. Yeah, um, I have uh, I'm I have very low vision, and I can tell light from dark. But um, I also have Parkinson's disease, mm -hmm. and I, I tend to sleep about ten hours. Um, I usually go to sleep about. 2 a.m. and wake up about noon. And I think part of the problem, my sleep got really screwed up for nine months while I was my, my late wife's caregiver. Uh, I, she had a hospital bed in, in the living room and I slept on the couch for nine months. Uh, and my, she didn't hardly sleep very well and she'd have to go to um, uh, dialysis uh, three times a week and when she would be gone would pretty much be the only time I got any sleep so I got really screwed up for about nine months there but mm -hmm. uh, uh, it's but I've heard that Parkinson's patients do need more sleep than normal do you know anything about that or? Um, in general, um, yes, you're right. Parkinson's sleeps, uh, Parkinson's individuals typically do um, need more sleep. Um, 
and I'm not trying to think, I'm trying to think the connection for you in terms of, you know, um, for the nine months where your body essentially was deprived of that schedule of that, you know, sunlight and was put on its own schedule um, in terms of connection to 924. So um, not enough data. There's not, not enough data out there yet to give any good information about Parkinson's and non-24, but in terms of your exposure or no exposure for the nine months, um, that happens to people very often. And that's actually is referred to as a shift disorder. And a lot of times nurses or people who, wait, who work night times, I mean, I battled that when I work night times, um, have night shift disorder. It's also a circadian rhythm disorder, but only difference between that and non-24 is when you go back to your normal schedule, your body is able to adapt and go back to normal and sleep normal. Uh, it doesn't stay. It's does. It's not caused by that nine months change. Um, and so, um, and that's really the only difference with the non-24. Once people have it, it um, it cannot be adjusted by um, by the change in schedule. I'm not sure if I answered your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, I think I know what you, what you mean. Okay. All right, we'll take we'll take Jamaica now. My question is about the the testing. How do you get? How can you get tested to see if you to see if you have this? Um, Mm -hmm. Great question. So that is one challenge that we have in terms of people being diagnosed um, because we don't have good tests. And I don't mean just for non-24 in general, people who have sleep issues, there's just no good tests out there. Um, in a study, when they do a study, they have a way of testing different things, your cortisol level, your melatonin level, and so forth. But in the real world, when you see go a doc, when you see a doctor, they can't do that kind of testing that when they do in a study. So when it comes to uh, diagnosis, um, your doctor has to base the diagnosis solely on the symptoms. Um, and that's the challenging part. So that's why I always share the symptoms and how are they different from some of the other disorders because that's the challenging part. Um, and so it, it, it's important to know that to, to find out if your doctor has heard of NAD24 and if they haven't, they'll, they'll look it up, they'll research it uh, because the diagnosis is based on the symptoms. Uh, we just don't have great tests. We don't even have great tests for sleep studies. I don't know if anybody out there had a sleep study done, but, you know, imagine get, getting, you know, having sleep issues and um, getting hooked up to different electrodes and being asked to sleep in a hospital bed and says, okay, now go ahead and sleep and we'll, and we'll uh, watch you. So, um, just not, not, we don't have great diagnostic tests out there for sleep to distinguish from one from the other. So um, that's the challenging part. And that's why we know a lot of people out there have non-24 are uh, underdiagnosed. They're just, they're not being treated appropriately um, yet. Good question. Any other questions? <clears throat> I'm not seeing any other hands. So I, I have a, 
I guess it's a question. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I myself really have no trouble going to sleep. Now I have trouble staying asleep. So I, I mean, I probably suffer from non-24 to some extent. But anyway, I can still function pretty much during the day. So I don't worry about it too much. Mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm just one of those people that maybe can go on a little bit of sleep. But um, sometimes I've noticed, though, if I either, you know, do like sort of a, a little bit more of a physical activity or even a thing like get a shower or something not too long before I go to bed, then I have trouble going to sleep, uh, which is kind of a, a, a weird thing. I don't know if my body gets revved up again and it's in that active mode that I tend to be in. Um, I'm not sure what happens, but uh, do you have any, any? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great point. So the only thing I could say to this is that that may be something that you do differently, right? Yeah. Um, so our bodies like to be predictable. So um, they like they like to know, they want to be given cues. This is what you're going to be doing. So if you don't typically take showers before you go to bed and then all of a sudden you take one, the body's like, oh, wait, well, it's not, it's not bedtime yet because we're not doing what we typically do or if you're exercise and you don't typically exercise everybody says oh no we're doing we're we got to get ready for something else now it's it's something out of schedule so for most people I always for most people i always suggest uh do things like um take a shower right before bedtime and and if you do it systematically or periodically that will be a clue for your body's like oh we're taking a shower we're going to be getting ready for bed and so all it means for the body that's, okay, the production of melatonin has to increase a little bit more. We're about to go to bed. So the body relies on those cues beforehand to let it know um, it's going to bed. So if you do something out of the ordinary, that may actually disrupt it. Well, that makes sense. So, you know, the expression creatures of habit, our, our mm-hmm. bodies are designed that way. That's Apparently. right. So well, <laughs> I yeah. guess it's okay then to be a creature of habit. Yes. It's kind of like <laughs> when you eat breakfast every morning and then you skip it because you ate late the night before. So, you know, you can't be hungry, but you still get the like growling in your stomach. You're like, how is that possible? It's because our bodies are expecting for you to have that breakfast. Um, and if it doesn't happen, they'll let you know. It's not so much that you're hungry. It's expecting to have it. <laughs> Yep. Oh my. Okay. Are uh, any hands? Nope. Well, Maggie, thank you very much. A lot of good information, a lot of good questions from participants. And we thank you. And again, thank Vanda for their support. And thank you for uh, being a friend of Mountain State Council and being willing to give up a Saturday afternoon Aww. to Thanks. be with us. Thank you so much, guys. You guys, this is absolute pleasure to be here. I very much appreciate that and wonderful questions. Um, I, I am always, always willing to give up a Saturday or a Sunday anytime to be with you guys. So thank you and enjoy the rest of your time um, and enjoy the weekend. All right. Thank you very much. You. Okay, bye. So, Marsha, let's do a door prize. Okay. Um, that was very interesting, wasn't it? All yeah. right. Here we go. That thing's getting louder. I guess is that it? means there's less names in there. No, no, I mean, it's not loud. It's, it's not just, too loud, is it? No, 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 no. You can hear it more.
That's because there's uh, less names in there now. Yeah, there's still as many uh, beads and marbles, but not as many papers. <laughs> okay. Oh, Glenn Pencard is our well. next winner, right from our group. And let me see what the next. Um, he has won a way around um, package of way tag oval hole buttons. Uh, I guess we'll learn what that is uh, pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the last two door prizes were from Way Around. And, yeah. And Way Around is they're going to be a presenter here in a little bit. Yeah. Um, and so if you are not familiar with these different tags and stuff, you will be a little more familiar, hopefully, in, in a little while. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, Did we want to do one more or. Right. Yeah, well, wait here? a minute. Yeah, before you do one more, um, mm -hmm. Cecily, can we get the recording ready as soon as Marcia does this door prize? Can we Absolutely. do that? Yes. Okay. So wait, hold on a second. So after yeah. Marcia does this door prize, um, we're going to listen to a recording from an ocularist, and this gentleman is unable to be with us. But if you have any questions, uh. We're still going to take questions and I'm going to write them down and submit them to him. And then, you know, he can answer them and, and I can, you know, share it with everybody. So, you know, st feel free to ask a question if you have it. And, and I might even be able to make up an answer, but he'd be able to give you a good answer. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Marcia. Okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> ah, let's see here. We have Agnes Ferris from oh, Colorado. All right, Colorado. Agnes. Yes, and go ahead. Okay, let's see. My computer was talking there. Um, she has won um, an Olive Garden gift card, twenty-five dollar oh. Olive Garden from Carol McGee. Oh man, is that cool? That's <laughs> yummy. Is what it is. I know. Oliver, and I love it. I do, too. Agnes has just raised her hand. Should I okay. acknowledge her? Yeah, go ahead. Acknowledge her. There you go, Agnes. Thank you. Well, I'm glad to win this prize, and I love the Olive Garden. And it pleases me that each year I've come to the convention. This is my third time, and uh -huh. I guess I've been real lucky because I won a prize at each convention oh and, and enjoyed <laughs> And enjoyed using them all very much. Thank two you. Two of them Great. have been for me. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Agnes is, is definitely a supporter of our, our events and stuff. And thank you, Agnes. Oh, you're yes. welcome. You're yeah. welcome. All right, Cecily, I think we're ready. Hello, my name is Chris Antonini. Are you hearing that? Not yeah. really. If there's a way to turn it up a little bit somehow i am an ocularist from morgantown west virginia i live there with my wife patty and my three kids maddie lily and ruby some of you may or may not know what an ocularist is it is a word that's not even in the dictionary an ocularist is an artist or a technician that makes prosthetic or fake eyes for people who have lost one eye or both eyes due to accidents, 
disease, or congenital defects. Everyone calls me a doctor, but my official title is board certified ocularist. I'm the only board certified ocularist in the state of West Virginia. I'm certified by the American Society of Ocularists. There are currently only around 200 board certified ocularists in the US and that's including Canada. My company is called Antonini Ocular Prosthetics. I have three different offices that I work at. I work out of Morgantown, West Virginia at WVUI Institute. I also do two days a month in Beckley and one week a month in Charleston, West Virginia. I'm the only board certified ocularist in West Virginia and I serve over 2,000 patients here and in the surrounding states. I got into this field by accident. I never dreamed I'd be doing this work and didn't even know it existed. I originally went to art school at WVU and got a four-year degree in fine arts with a focus in painting. I remember my father was very upset with me going into art. He thought it would be a dead-end degree and I would never get a job. One of my teachers though from high school had always said to go into what you're good at and things will eventually work out. So that's just what I did. And after I received my undergrad degree, my plan was to attend grad school at WVU and go into art education. Well, I wasn't thrilled to go into the to teaching art and was glad to hear about a field of work that my mother discovered. She said that there's a guy at WVU that makes fake eyes by hand for people in need. My mother was a social worker and she took a client who needed a ride to get a prosthetic eye. She spent the whole day watching the eye get made and was instantly fascinated. She watched the ocularist carve the model of the eye out of wax and hand paint the color on the prosthesis. She asked the ocularist if you have to be an artist to do this kind of work. And the man making the eye, Walter Tillman, told her it was very important to have an art background in the field. He had the same fine arts degree in painting that I did. He got his degree from the Philadelphia College of Art. Walter told my mother he had been making prosthetic eyes for 40 years and was looking to pass on his craft to an apprentice who would eventually take over his position and buy his practice so he could retire and paint pictures in his spare time. This was the perfect break I was looking for. My mother said if I was interested, Tillman wanted to see my artwork. So the next day I brought my portfolio in and he didn't want to see my grades or anything. He just wanted to see the quality of my artwork. And it ends up Tillman loved my artwork and we hit it off immediately. I observed him work for the rest of the week to see if I liked it and he offered me the position at the end of the week and I couldn't wait to start. I received my education from the American Society of Ocularists. 
To become board, a board certified ocularist, I would spend the next five years training with Walter Tillman and attending conferences through the ASO. At the end of the five years, I received my diploma from the ASO and took a national certifying exam given by the National Examining Board of Ocularis, or NEBO for short. I eventually took over for Tillman in 2013, and he unfortunately passed on two years later and really didn't get a chance to enjoy his um, retirement painting. I felt sadness over losing my friend and mentor, but I was determined to keep this valuable skill he had taught me alive. I've been practicing ocularistry for 19 years now, and I still feel blessed that every day I get to go to work to do art and also to help somebody regain their normal appearance at the same time. Before we get into how these eyes are crafted, I would like to go over a brief history of the artificial eye. For over a hundred years, artificial eyes were made of glass that was manufactured exclusively in Germany. That's why to this day, you hear people refer to prosthetic eyes as glass eyes. With World War II came the cutoff of glass eyes and the raw glass from Europe. Destructive as war can be, quite often it can bring about improvements. In this case, war conditions brought about the development of the plastic eye. Most of the credit belongs to the United States Army dental technicians. These men applied the skill of their trade toward fabricating an artificial eye of the same methyl methacrylate or acrylic used in making artificial teeth. The first eyes made of plastic were by today's standards quite crude, but it was the beginning of a product which would soon render the old glass eye obsolete. Today, artificial eyes are made of plastic throughout including paint, iris, veins, and sclera. They are made by men and women who are almost exclusively artists, whose training enables them to take an accurate impression of the eye socket and duplicate in paints an authentic replica of the human eye. Impression fitted artificial eyes are individually handmade from raw materials. It is essential that the prosthesis be shaped and colored to accurately duplicate the remaining eye and contour of each unique socket. The impression fitting gives optimum comfort and assures the best possible motility of the prosthesis. I offer a few different services at Antonini Ocular Prosthetics. We make custom fitted ocular prostheses, custom fitted scleral shells. We do polishes and we also do size and color adjustments to existing prostheses. 
The custom fit ocular prosthesis is impression fitted over an orbital implant that is placed in the eye socket following surgery for an enucleation. In an enucleation, the damaged eye is completely removed. Enucleation is used in severe trauma or when a disease such as cancer is present. An orbital implant, usually an acrylic ball, is placed in the socket and the rectus muscles are attached to the ball by the surgeon. This ball fills the void left by the missing eye and the muscles are still present to aid in the movement of the prosthesis. The prosthetic eye is essentially a thick contact that fits over the implant. Despite popular beliefs, the fake eye itself looks more like a shell than a ball. I think this misconception comes from Hollywood movies where the pirate's eye comes out and goes rolling across the ship. It's just not how they are in real life. Um, the other eye um, type of eye that I make is the scleral cover shell. It's a very thin plastic impression fitted prosthesis, which is designed to cover a deformed, malformed, or eviscerated eye. In an evisceration, the contents of the damaged eye are surgically removed and an implant is placed inside. The eye and rectus muscles are still left intact, which provide excellent movement to the shell. I would recommend patients get a new eye every five years or so to accommodate the physical changes that have taken place due to aging. Polishing is another service that I offer. Polishing is a way to clean and resurface the prosthesis to get off any dried mucus or other debris that has accumulated on the eye. Usually after six months or so, layers of dried mucus have built up on the surface, causing dryness, itchiness, and irritation. We recommend the patient come in every six months to get their artificial eye polished, similar to getting your teeth cleaned at the dentist. Finally, if a patient knows anything that doesn't quite feel right or look right after the eye is made, I can adjust anything on the eye. I can make it bigger, smaller, change the color, or anything at all that it might need. The beauty of the plastic eye is that it can be adjusted unlike the glass eyes of the past. Another advantage of the plastic over glass is its durability. Unlike the glass that can easily shatter, the plastic eye is very sturdy, almost indestructible. It can get scratched, but usually I can polish out most scratches as long as they're not too deep. Now that I've went over the types of eyes and services I provide, I would like to go over the process of making the artificial eye. Being fitted and having an artificial eye made for your individual socket is painless. The process takes from four to six hours. In step one, 
we begin by carving a wax shell to the size and the shape of the individual's socket. The smooth wax shell is tried into the eye socket. It is shaped and refined until the eye opening, the position of the iris, and the focus are equal to the patient's remaining eye. A soft, creamy impression material called alginate is then placed in the socket. The alginate duplicates the individual shape of the eye socket. When this is done, we have an accurate mold for the patient's prosthesis. The patient now has a two hour break while we complete the first laboratory process. In this part, a plaster impression of the mold is poured. The shape of the prosthesis is cast in white plastic with an iris button fused in the exact position. The white plastic shape is then prepared for the color matching. In this step, we duplicate the colors of the patient's remaining eye by painting on such details as the vein patterns and the fine striations of color found in the human iris. And they're very carefully masked. This takes 30 to 45 minutes. The patient now has another two hour break while we complete the second laboratory process. We now fuse a layer of clear plastic to the front surface of the prosthesis. This covers the colors and gives the eye, the corneal dome, and the, the translucent found in the human eye. After the plastic has been cured, the eye is polished to a fine, smooth luster and is ready for the final stage, the fitting. For the fitting, the prosthesis is tried into the patient's socket and the eye is then evaluated for comfort and cosmesis. The patient will then be instructed in removal, insertion, and hygiene. Whether the patient is receiving a first prosthesis or a replacement, it is important that he or she return to our office for follow-up adjustments. It's almost impossible to accurately duplicate every aspect of the human eye on the initial visit. On the second visit to our office, we will make subtle adjustments in size, shape, and color as required. In conclusion, I hope you've gained a basic understanding of the history of prosthetic eyes and how they're made. I hope I've provided you with a snapshot of my journey to becoming an ocularist. It's been uh, a chance for me to use my artistic talents every day to help others. It's been a very rewarding and worthwhile job that can make a big difference in someone's life. Um, lastly, I would like to thank the Mountain State Council of the Blind and Donna Brown for giving me this opportunity to speak with you today. Uh, if anyone has any questions about the information I've provided today, or if any of you or someone you know might need my services, uh, please don't hesitate to contact me. My phone number is 877-594-0719, or you can email me at eyes4wv at gmail.com. Thanks again for your time.
Okay. That was a lot of information. <laughs> um, so does any anybody have any questions that they we have one on the panelist side? Glenn. Okay. Go, Go ahead, Glenn. Donna, this yep. might be a question you can answer. Um, with the eyes, uh, the, the prosthetic eyes, do people take them in and out at night? Uh, Hold on one second. So that's a good question. Um, the, the theory used to be to do that, um, but now they, they kind of say unless you really need to the more you take them out the more chance of germs you know getting in there so okay and is there a special solution that you put them in to clean them like a contact solution or something um i don't i mean and, and they don't you know i guess maybe if you had some trouble and stuff maybe they would recommend but if i take mine out for whatever reason because they're bothering me or something i usually just put them in a little bit of salt water Okay. And that that kind of seems to take care of it. But I don't know. There's other people on here that, you know, have them as well. Maybe they do something different. But. Okay. I was just wondering. Thank you. I, I do something different. Someone told me that maybe once a month, put them in, um, like, use a denture tablet. Um, oh. To, to it, it, it helps to clean off any, um, you know, mucus or anything like that 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 would back up or uh anything like that i mean not, might build on um so and uh actually it seems to work because if they're bothering me a little bit that that takes care of it i guess i hesitate to take mine out because they're so hard to get back in and he even has trouble my um eyes like my um, not the socket itself, but like the openings to my, my sockets are so small that, it, I mean, he even has trouble putting mine in and, and I have trouble too. So I really don't take them out unless I really, really have to. Okay. We have a question on the attendees. Oh, okay. Side. All right. Jamaica. Hello, Jamaica. Hello, this is uh, Jamaica, and I actually have both of my both of my eyes are uh, prosthetics, uh, prosthetic eyes. And uh -huh. what what I have found out is that um, there's a certain um, pad that you can that you can wa wash them with to clean off the, the 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 salt stuff on them, and also that you can also um, and my question is about the 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 curing the curing time um because uh with my prosthetics i have to have a very long cure on the on the prosthetics and my question is does does he does does he if does he ever do long cures on people that need the long the long cure for for the prosthetics because um, that's 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 yeah. where that's where I'm that's where I am I'm I'm at I'm trying to see um, if I can get if I can find somebody that can actually help with help with mine okay I, yeah we can ask him and 
see if, yeah. if he can, because I, I, I don't know that. So. Mm -hmm. so would you ask that question for me? Uh, I will. Yep. Thank you. All right. Anybody else? I don't. Oh, Agnes. Yes. Go ahead, Agnes. Agnes. Well, I have two prosthetic eyes. I've had them since 1972. And one issue that my prosthetic folks had to deal with was when my left eye rejected, you know, my implant. And I was living in Birmingham, Alabama at the time. And they had put in a smaller one, but my eye didn't like that either. So when I was visiting at Christmas in Indiana one year where I had my original surgery done, the doctor took it out. So I have one on my right eye is over the, the ball that he talked about. So that eye moves and the left one does not. But one problem I have with mine, and it's nothing against how the eyes were made, it's just that sometimes they'll turn and I can't you know, tell that. So when somebody tells me, I'll go in and um, take care of it. And the last time I saw my prosthetic people here in Denver, Colorado, in Denver, Colorado, they suggested I just take them out once a month and run them underwater and said I could even use a little bit of Dawn on them just to uh, clean them. And I'll be having to go at some point, I'm not sure when, because it's close to time, actually time to get a new uh, pair of prosthetic eyes, but due to transportation and so forth, I don't know when I'll be getting down to Denver to get that done. Yeah, that that's part of the problem. <laughs> you can't just go to your local, you know, eye doctor or, or whatever. Uh, I my It's about a two hour drive where I, where I, I need to go. Um, okay. Anybody else? Because our next presenter is here. I'm not seeing any ever hands. Okay. Donna. Yes. Um, what do they do with the old prosthetics? Do they recycle them or? I, st I have mine. Okay. Uh, I just was curious. I, they don't, but they don't, they, they don't do anything with them. I, I just kept them. One reason I kept, especially my very first set, because they were very different, um, I was a teenager, you know, and, and you still grow a little bit, even though you don't think you do, you know, your body's still changing and stuff. And, um, just because of my circumstances, um, my, my very first set looks very different from the set now I, I mean, I can even feel it in the design and stuff. Um, so, but no, I, they don't recycle them. There's okay. Glenn, uh, also, it's a good idea maybe to hang on to your old ones in case you have an accident, like you drop your eye down the sink or something. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I hope Donovan went, went, yeah, kept <laughs> kept any extras because he was always losing them. Oh, my. Yeah, I, I have a kid at the school in my classroom. He sneezed and I heard this cling. And it was his eye came out and hit it, hit the, the metal part of the desk. And of course, he couldn't see. I couldn't see. I said, "Man, chances of us finding this thing are pretty slim." I mean, we—I think. Well, I think we went and got for help because I really didn't want it to be on the floor for very long. But yes, I had to hunt that same kid's eye in uh -oh. the um, YMCA swimming pool, and the lifeguard was absolutely no help at all. They gave me this little tiny fish net, 
and I was actually feeling with the bottom of my feet all over the pool. Well, it finally found it. It happened in our pool several times too. But anyway, Donna, real, Donna, real, Donna, real quick, it's Jackie. Yes. And I just wanted to let you know, during the pandemic, at least the one in Morgantown, he let me actually mail mine to him so he could clean them and he sent them back to me. I'm really? not sure if people reach out. Hmm. Yes. A- Antonini up in Morgantown. Yeah. He let yeah. me mail them and um, I can still do that if I need to. Uh, oh my so goodness. That's, that is an option. And then I just wore my old ones, like you said, while the other ones were being cleaned. So if anybody, they might want to reach out to theirs to see if they can mail them and get them cleaned and mail them back. I would have never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, right. Just just for cleaning. Now, yeah. if you need an yeah, adjustment yeah, right, or something right. like that, you'd have to go. And then real, also something else that he told me that works is coconut oil. And you put it on your on the prosthetic in your eye just in the morning and at night. And it really does work. It keeps the bill oh. up from just regular coconut oil that you get at the store. I should. I should, I should do yes, that. Yeah. It does. You just put it on just like cream or, you know, putting something in your eye and it hmm. works. So okay. anyway. I know where you need to Thank move you. on, but sure. <laughs> That's okay. Right. Uh-huh. Bye. Okay. Do we have anybody else real quick? No. Okay. Donna, do we have a minute or two? I've got a funny story to tell about artificial eyes children. It just take a minute. All right. Make okay. it quick. Go ahead. Uh, I was walking to one of my elementary schools and uh, the kids were lined up to transfer to another school and the little kid in the back was always in trouble. His name was Donovan. And I get back to Donovan standing and he says, Miss Cook, are your eyes broken? And I said, yes, honey. And he said, they're not real. And I said, no, they're not. He said, do you need some batteries? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Carol, you on that note, you want to introduce our next speaker? I think we need to... (laughs) Organize our life <laughs> with way around. Um, they, they, they won't help with artificial eyes, but they will help with artificial intelligence, I think. Um, <laughs> uh, Michael Deweese works as a mobile accessibility, accessibility developer for way around. He started building apps more than 10 years ago in in 2011. He started with Pocket Braille, um, Visual visual Braille, and VO Starter, which was the first voiceover training app for iOS. He has also worked on apps for... Blind Bargains, the American Council of the Blind, and the NFB Newsline mobile apps. In addition to programming, Michael has worked closely with individuals who are blind and visually impaired as a technology instructor uh, with various agencies in Texas. Michael is passionate about new technologies and believes that everyone should have equal access to information. Um, thank you, Michael. And... Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Um, 
Can everybody hear me okay? Yes. Yes. Excellent. So I am Michael and I would like to thank you all for having me and way around today. Um, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to get to speak with you all. I'll, I'll try to keep everything brief. And so I'll probably take questions closer to the end if that's okay. Um, that's great. Because we, we have a lot of things to go over um, in the in the 30 or so minutes that we have. So, um, you know, I, I hope folks have been acclimated to what Way Around is. And if you're if you have not heard of Way Around, Way Around is a mobile app. Um, you know, I've been working for Way Around for a year. Way Around's a mobile app for iPhone and Android. You know, it's on both sides of the fence, so you're covered no matter which uh, preference you have. And Way Around is an app that lets you scan NFC tags to gain information. And we have two ways of doing that. We have our um, home and office products. We have, you know, tags for that. And we have uh, our our new uh, public spaces, and we're we're starting to add those. So we'll I'll talk about those all in the uh, in my in my presentation today. And uh, I want to start out with you know explaining a little more about what WayAround does. WayAround is an app. Um, you know the the name suggests that it's a it's a way to get uh, from point A to point B. WayAround is not a navigation app, it's an information app. And WayAround's goal is to provide you with the information you need uh, at uh, your home or office or at uh, locations to, to get you to where you need to be and then verify where you are. So we use NFC technology. NFC stands for Near Field Communication. And it's like um, little... It's kind of like uh, those little tags that you have on, on, on products that they use at stores to kind of see. Uh, it's not like a barcode, but it's like a little radio tag. Uh, they can use those for tracking and things like that. It's called RFID. But NFC tags, you, um, it's commonly used if you've ever used your phone for Apple Pay or Google Pay or things like that. And um, WayAround is used to um, label things in your home or office where you could put as much information as you want. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard of the pin friend. Um, we used to show off the pin friend when I taught um, technology in, in our daily living schools department at Chris Cole, who used to uh, or still does show off the pin friend. Um, but way around is an app that does similar things, but it's on your iPhone or Android phone. And so you never lose the data. So if you uh, label something with our app, it can synchronize that data up to our cloud. And you, as long as you log into your account, you never lose your data. And that's the beauty of WayAround is um, it's not a voice message. You have to type out things. But as long as you can send a text or an email, you can use WayAround. You know, um, WayAround was founded so that you know we could provide information the in the simplest way possible and we have um, you know we have seven different tags that you can buy from wayaround.com or from at guys uh, to do that we have two types of um, stickers we have rounded and squared stickers 
that you could put on things. Our square stickers are uh, metal safe, um, so they can be used on like a, any kind of a metal object. Um, and then we have our round stickers. Uh, a lot of people like those for bottles and things like that. Um, you could put them on seasonings. You can label anything that you want with uh, the way around stickers. Of course, you know, if you have to take them off and re try to reuse them, it doesn't work so well. So if you have something that you want to reuse, like a seasoning, you buy the same seasoning again and just change out the lids. And that way you always have a labeled, you know, salt or pepper. And you know that that thing is labeled. And we have two types of buttons. We have um, uh, sewable buttons and button uh, an overhaul button that you could use a safety pin with. So there's two ways you can do that. And we have um, uh, magnets. We have, uh, like you could put a magnet on your refrigerator or on top of a canned good. Uh, you could put the magnet in uh, or on something so that's metal. So you could scan that magnet and get uh, information that you scan as well. And we also have clips so you can attach uh, the clip to something, you know, bag of chips or a file folder or uh, some papers. Um, you know, it's always like a sticker on the on a file folder will work great. Sometimes the clips aren't the easiest to get on there, but um, you know, we have the clips as well. And, you know, some people have even put clips down in like a potted plant or something because they can withstand, you know, the heat, the heat or the cold. So there's a lot of different uses. We even have um, somebody that uses way around to tag cattle. Is, you know, they have hundreds and hundreds, they have, they have tons of tags just tagging their cows so they can know what each cow is. And you're not limited to an amount of information. You can put as long of a description as you want, and we have what are called detail templates. And detail templates let you um, scan an item and, and it will tell you any kind of information that you want, like washing instructions. We have like clothing care and things like that. Um, so there's a lot that goes into making a tag. You could put as much as you want on a tag or as little as you want. So I can have, I'm wearing a red shirt right now. So I could write red shirt and that's it. Uh, or I could put red shirt, a red polo shirt, or, you know, as much information that I want. And I could put washing instructions and select, you know, uh, only wash on cold or, uh, you know, things like that under our clothing care category. Um, so I'm going to do a demo and, and uh, we'll, we'll see how well uh, this comes through Zoom. Let me turn my voice over. Way around, way around, heading level one. Swipe right to hear additional items on this screen. Can everybody hear that? Yes, I can. Excellent. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to, I have a shirt right here, if I could find the button on it and knock, not knock everything off my desk. <laughs> um, so I'm going to just flick through the screen. Way cloud connected, image, settings, button, scanner ready, press the read button below, then hold the top part of your phone on the way tag until you feel a double click. Is my voiceover too fast? Do I need to slow that down or uh, do you guys, can you guys understand? I, I think it's okay. Okay. Read button. Double so tap to scan away tag and hear the description. Then swipe right to hear additional details. The quickest I, way to access the read button is to tap the bottom left corner of your screen. 
So we have a read button at the bottom left of the screen. Ready to, ready to scan. So the app says ready to scan, and then I'm just going to hold the top of my iPhone. On Android, it's close to the bottom of the phone in the middle, and I'm just going to hold it up to my tag. And it beeps, but... Blue chambray button down, linen bland, heading level two. I have my phone on do not disturb and mute so that nothing comes in during the presentation, but you feel a vibration that it that it scanned and then it just read out the description right so now I can go and hear some information about this. Washing machine wash cold list start. Clean date June 25th 2022. Size XL. Grand banana republic list end. So those are all things that we have put on the tag. And, you know, you can edit all of these things. Um, you could go and, um, and, and do anything that you want with this tag. Um, this, is one of our, this is one of our demos, so uh, I can't actually edit this one. But what I'm gonna show you is how easy it is to create a new tag. Skip, read, button, double tap to scan up, create. Button. So I'm going to go to Double our tap to create all new and I'm going to go to our create button, which is at the bottom right of the screen. So all you have to do is move your finger up to the bottom from the bottom right. Create button. Right. Okay. And it jumped down to the right button, but we're going to go back create up to the tag. top. Heading level one. Swap way cloud connected. Image description. Heading level two. For any active text field, double tap two fingers to toggle dictate. Enter the text you want written to the way tag. Multi line text field. Double tap to edit. So Use the says, rotor to access misspelled words. It says enter the text you'd like to write to the way tag. And what that is, is it's saying, um, you know, you could put text in here. So I'm going to double tap on this text field. Insertion point at end. And I'm going to do, I'm going to find my dictate button on my keyboard. Dictate button. Double tap to start dictation. Red polo shirt. Inserted red polo shirt. And I did a two finger double tap to stop dictation. And then I'm going to flick right until I hear uh, the right button. Dictate button. Detail template. Select right button. Detail template. Well, select. Before I, before I go to After the right button, the picker, before I go to the right button, I'm going to go to the detail template so you guys can see what's here. D detail template. Right button. Detail template. Detail template. Right. Button. Detail That's template. Misbehaving. Detailed artwork. Appointment. But artwork. Business card. Cleaning supply. Clothing care. Custom. But file. Button. Grocery item. Personal care product. Dismiss context menu. Button. So those are the um, items that are available. Custom lets you make your own detail template. And so that's pretty nice. Because then you could create text fields. You can add um, all kinds of different like uh, hyperlinks, emails phone numbers, uh, any kind Screen of in. information that you would like to put there. So I'm going to dismiss this pop-up. Right, button, ready, ready to scan. Okay, so I have a white tag. I'm going to put it back at the top of my phone at the back to um, write the information. Success, white tag written. White tag written. Red polo shirt, heading level two. So now it it scanned that tag automatically after I wrote it. So settings, way cloud connect, scanner ready, red polo settings button. I'm back. Have to go to the settings page with. And I scanned my tag. So I just wrote a way tag, and it's just that simple.
Okay. Um, so that's our home and office. Those are, you can buy our tags um, at our, um, at wayaround.com. And, um, you know, that, so that's our home Sweet and day. office product. We also have our new public program, which, uh, so let me add this. Our home and office tags are uh, account-based. So when you create a tag, it's linked to your account. So it's secure um, to your account. And so no, somebody else could scan that tag and they don't get your information. So your information is private um, on, on your way tags. So that's one of the nice things. You have complete privacy based on your account. Now, um, what you also can do is scan public way tags. And this is the next part of my presentation I want to go into is you can, we now have public way tags and we actually had these at the um, ACB Texas conference back in August. And we put tags up throughout the bottom floor of the hotel and we had where you could uh, um, get information about where you were, the elevators and different locations in the hotel. And it was amazing just to see people verifying that they were at the right place in the hotel. And one of the things that we did was we sent out a link um, to all the, we call them way signs, before people even got to the hotel. Um, to people that registered in advance. Um, so people could see the, the layout and get even, we even had the restaurant menu in, in way around. And it was a very exciting, you know, I'm, I'm one of the developers and I used way around to look at the menu at the restaurant before I even uh, got there. And that was pretty amazing. You know, just having that uh, access, we had the bathrooms uh, all labeled and tagged so that you could learn Okay, if I go into the restroom, the sinks are on the right, the stalls are on the left, and things like that. So you knew where things were um, before you even stepped foot in that room. So you, you were able to get the information that you needed. And then when you got to the location, you could verify that you were where you wanted to be. So, you know, companies can put those links on their website and different places like that. So um, I have some, technically that shirt that I just scanned earlier is a public tag because I didn't label that shirt, somebody else did. And so we made it a public tag. I couldn't edit it, but uh, if I was the right, had the right access, I could. So you'll, you'll notice that we, you can um, scan these public tags and it's not private information, it's public. So anybody can scan that tag and get the information they need. And we've already gotten several pilot projects that are um, taking advantage of our public tags. And we're hoping to get more and more of these, um, uh, more and more uh, businesses and organizations that are interested in becoming way sites is what we call them. And, and you know, if, if people are interested, I'll give you an email at the end of this, but we're, we're always looking for folks that want to come on board in, in our pilot program to uh, allow way around into label and provide information to blind users. Um, but our public tags, uh, we have signs, so they look like they're part, they, they usually go below ADA signs and room signs. So if you have a, a sign that says room 104, it'll have room 104 and what that office is in a public location. Or, you know, we have it at bathroom signs or places like that. So 
we have all kinds of different things there as far as um, uh, how how science can work. I'm going to scan a few things and so you can hear what some of these public signs look like. And technically, when you order way tags, our packaging has a little sticker on each of our packages that are actually a public sign. 1.31 p.m. Read button. Double ready to scan. This is a sampler pack from Wayround. You can use it to try out the different types of way tags to figure out which tags you like best. Keep reading for more information and tips. Heading level two. So this is a more complicated way tag, and it's it's a sampler pack. Uh, so it talks about the different types of tags. And so let's I'm gonna flick through this and so you can hear what's here. Latest YouTube video. Link. List start. Sampler pack contents. Heading level two. This is a photo of the seven types of way tags contained in the sampler pack. On the top row is a round sticker, a square magnet, and a square sticker. On the second row is a two-hole button, a round top way clip, a square top way clip, and an oval hole button. Image. Double tap to pan or zoom the image. Double tap and hold for more options. So if you if you notice this, our our public signs have images. And so, you know, if you do have vision or you have low vision, you could find the image, double tap and zoom in and do all kinds of neat stuff. Say you can, you know, uh, do whatever you need with the image that you would expect on any other app. So it is meant for blind users, but it's for everyone. So um, we try to make way around very visually appealing so that all users, no matter if you're low vision, fully sighted or, or totally blind, will enjoy way around. This is a photo of the seven types. This, this sampler pack contains one round way tag sticker, one square on metal way tag sticker, one square way tag magnet, one round top way clip plastic clip, one square top on metal way clip plastic clip, one two hole way tag button, and one oval hole way tag button. There are a total of seven way tag products. So, and, and I just read you all the different types of way tags. Um, so let's keep reading. There is also a stainless steel safety pin and a hair tie in this package. Use them to attach way tag overhaul buttons or way clip plastic clips to items. Getting started with way around. Heading level two. Choose a way tag. All way tags work with the app in exactly the same way. Choose a tag based on the item you want to label and how you will attach it. Visit our YouTube channel for ideas about tagging specific items like clothing, medication, and more. Link. Swipe up or down to select a custom action, then double tap to it. See, we have links and all kinds of information. Learn about accessories for attaching tags to various items. Link. Swipe up or down to select a custom action. Reading and creating way tags. When you first use a way tag NFC tag to label something, first attach the tag to the item. Then use the way around mobile app to write information to the tag. You will need to write information to the tag before you read it. Write information using the create button on this app. You can edit or rewrite information at any time using the edit button. Remember, only square way tag products can be used on metal. So we almost give kind of a tutorial on our packaging. And I hope this can show you how much information you can store on a way tag. It's a limitless amount of information. And so the, the, just the possibilities are endless. You could put recipes if you're in a kitchen. Um, you know, you could, you could put as much information as you would like on these tags. And that's, I feel like that's different from any other solution because there's really not a limit. I mean, obviously, if you put gigabytes and gigabytes of information, there might be some problems there. But, uh, you know, all of this is saved in the cloud and not on the tag. So you, you really don't have much of a limit there. I'm going to show you one more tag, and then I'll open up for questions. 1.35 p.m. Way around. Read. Button. Double so tap to scan the way tag. I always know I can go to that bottom left corner to read. Ready to scan.
This is a sampler pack from way around. You can use it. This is a sampler pack from way around. You can use it to try out the different types of way tags to figure. Read. Button. Re ready to scan. So that was not the tag I thought it was. There we go. ACVT. Directions from elevator call buttons. Heading level two. So this is one of the tags we had at ACBT. Elevator lobby and surrounding spaces. Link. Image. List start. Double tap to pan or zoom the image. Elevator lobby and surround. Ele directions from the elevator call buttons. Heading level 2. T. O2303. Room 104. Go right to the wall corner of this wall. Go left around the wall corner to an opening in the wall where the flooring will change to carpet. Proceed down the carpeted hall to the third recessed area on the left. Room 104. Rooms 1. Pool house and health club. Go left to the glass wall at the end of this elevator lobby. Go through the double doors at the left end of the glass wall to the pool house and health club. So if if you scan the tag at the elevators at ACBT, the, this tag would give you information about that uh, elevator lobby and how to get to different areas. Ballroom lobby. Go right to the end of this elevator lobby. Keep right of the gift shop wall. Staying on the marble floor. The marble flooring will change to carpeting at the main entrance lobby. Continue straight ahead on the carpeted floor to the ballroom lobby. All entrances to the ballrooms will be on the left. Restrooms. Go right to the end of this elevator lobby. Keep right of the gift shop wall. Staying on the marble floor. The marble flooring will change to carpeting at the main entrance lobby. Continue straight ahead on the carpeted floor through the ballroom lobby. At the end of the ballroom lobby, the restrooms will be to the right, down a hallway. Okay. Alert. Selected. Voice so that is an example of, you know, how we've labeled different parts at a convention. Um, and, and that's our public signs. And what, what we're trying to do is put those up at different buildings in different locations. And uh, where you could just use your phone to get the information you need. Um, one last thing I want to talk about is we, for home and office, we have a device called the Waylink. And that's a device you could pair with your phone or iPad because the iPad doesn't have NFC. And you could use the Waylink to quickly scan through a lot of different tags. And so that could be useful if you're at a pantry or you're trying to find one item in um, all of your all of your stuff to get, you know, like salt or pepper. If you have like a big um, seasoning area, like uh, all of your seasonings or spices and things like that. So it's very useful um, for quickly going through things. And sometimes you don't want to get your phone dirty. Uh, you know, the way link you could just hold in one hand while you're looking through things or you know, if you just need to hover it over and it will read out your description. I mean, obviously, to read the detailed templates, you're going to have to flick and, and go through those detailed templates. But um, that's one quick way that you can um, quickly go from tag to tag without having to press the read button on iPhone. Android, it's a little different. They have uh, technology in there where you could just read tag to tag to tag. Um, but we do have the way link for if you want to be hands free from your phone, whether it be iPhone or Android. So um, that's an option. It's it's ninety nine dollars at the wayaround.com store. So uh, I want to go ahead and open it up for questions and, and see if uh, and, and, you know, if you have any thoughts or feedback, just let me know. I'd love to hear it. Tim has a question. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have to use voiceover? With way around on these tags? Nope. You can use the you can use way around without voiceover. You could use it with, you know, just magnification. Uh, you, we have it where you could pan or zoom images, where you could just you know uh, look at them and enlarge them. You can do uh, you could do it all with low vision. You can even change the font size in the app. But to get it to talk, you would have to use voiceover. 
we're working on a feature that's going to be coming pretty soon where it will speak the description or the entire way tag. So we are working on some self-voicing features as well. Okay, thank you. And we have Conrad. Yes, can you hear me? We can. Yes. Okay, so my question is, so you're talking about using these in public places. Um, how many companies do this now? And is there a way to know, like, for example, I'm thinking of like, say, if they would use them, say, in a shopping mall or something like that, is there a way to know before you go <coughs> there is tags? Currently, there's no way to know before you go. Um, usually, right now, it's uh, we just have several blindness facilities. Um, I'm not sure the full number. It's there's quite a few. There's you know several that have it, and it's just becoming more popular. Uh, and so we're working on several projects. Like I said, we're in our pilot phase for this. So uh, the main things that we've done are at uh, hotels and different places. But uh, I think you'll be seeing it come up a lot more and businesses, uh, you know, will be promoting that they use way around uh, accessible pharmacy puts it on their prescriptions uh, for medications. So it, you know, it is starting uh, the public. Uh, the pharmacy is a little different from public tags. It's a little bit of a um, more of a privacy focused approach, but um, you know, different businesses are starting to use way around in different ways. So uh, you know, you'll you'll be hearing about it from, you know, the business that you're at and they could even, you know, when they start using it, they could put it on their website, uh, like I talked about. So there's a lot of options there. It's just one of those things that we're still uh, working on getting in uh, broad use. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't see any other hands at this time. Uh, we have we have time if anybody else has. Oh, Marsha just raised. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Marsha. Yes. Um. Do you have to be on uh, to have Wi-Fi to read your tags, your personal tags? Great question. No, you do not. Okay. Uh, and the reason is, is we want people to be able to use the app, whether you have the internet or if you do not have the internet. So, um, when you log into the app, currently it downloads all of your data. To your phone so that you have your uh, personal data all on your device so mm -hmm. it will work for personal tags without the internet okay. uh, that currently also works with the public tags although the it does have to go out to get the images um, okay so you know just like if you go to a park or somewhere if they do have it then you may want to make sure that you you know um, scan like the the link if they have a link up first and then, you know, start going around mm -hmm. uh, and looking at things before you go in, the data will still come up like the text, but there might just be some, some issues with displaying images if you have a low connection. Okay. Uh, you know, that might be really great in uh, museums because there's so many things that you can't touch because they're behind glass. Right. And the descriptions are, you know, your friend or someone has to read them to you. Or sometimes exactly. they have this little box as you push a button. But anyway, yeah. That that's Maybe. our thoughts too, is if you're at a museum, way around would be great um at a museum because you would be able to hear the description, get some information that you may not ordinarily be able to get. And mm -hmm. and not just for people that are blind. You, you know, we could have you know, museums could put additional facts and information that they just can't fit on a plaque or different things like that. Yeah. So there's, 
limitless possibilities there. Right. Cool. Thank you. So you can create the personal tags as well without an internet connection. That's correct. And then once you have internet, it will sync up with the cloud and back up your data. Okay. It it automatically does that thing. Like you don't have to tell it to. Okay. Cool. So, and if you heard that item, whenever I was going through, it said way cloud connected. That's when you know that you are connected to our cloud and that it is, you know, keeping your data synchronized. Oh, okay. I have the whole thing. I just haven't used them yet. And I just need to get myself organized. (laughs) Any, anybody else, any other, I'm not seeing any. Well, everybody's trying, probably trying to figure out how they'll organize themselves if they yeah. get. Um, so also, oh, I, there's a hand. Okay, go ahead. Take Glenn. It. Oh, okay. Go ahead, Glenn. I think it was Bryn, wasn't it? Glenn. Oh. It was Glenn. Yep. Sorry, I had to reconnect there. <clears throat> um, so the public tags. Um, can you make those yourself, um, like like for a school system or, or a museum or something? Who so, would make those, and and how does that work? So the public tags, they the organization and way around have to work together to, you know, it's a it's kind of a um, you know the company has to pay for that service to be installed. Um, you know, we we help them install the signs and you get the data in into the um, cloud so that when people go to that museum or that school, they could scan it. Uh, individuals cannot just go in and, and label that stuff because uh, it's a organization wide thing. It's different from a home or office account. So, um, you know, we we need to work with the organization to make that happen. You know, another thing that we've done is not everybody wants to create an account to create tags. So we've added a guest mode. And so you can, if you don't want to create tags and you know you're just going to be out there at public in, 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 the, in the public areas, you can just continue as become a guest and then start scanning tags and, and getting information. So um, the barrier to entry is no longer there if you don't want to create an account. Okay, great. So do we just contact the company uh, your company to get things started if we're wanting so like if, a museum if, or a restaurant or somebody to have it mm-hmm. if you're if you're a business and or if you know contacts at a restaurant i'll give you you know an email address uh connect at wayaround.com and okay. and we can start that process of of working with that organization okay and what kind of cost is that um that's something that when you when you send an email there um they can they can talk to you about okay thank you um yep and And anybody else carol um this may sound a little bit morbid but i i see later on in the future after way around becomes uh more uh, public and you know more not not public but be more nationally known i i could see maybe putting it in cemeteries you know when people mm-hmm. are looking for a, a gravestone or or whatever 
some people just like to walk through and especially if it's an historic historical one um so i don't know that like, was just, just like the arlington national cemetery that would be oh yeah. wow wouldn't, wouldn't that be or yeah. the wall oh, the, the mm -hmm. uh, yeah 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 there's and and that's the thing guys there's so many possibilities that you know we've barely scratched the surface and you know we're always developing new features and new things and, and you know it's we we want to be there we want to show people that way around can be used for all of these things and and that's why we we're here with you guys today just to show you know i it's one thing for me i'm i'm a developer i'm blind but i also believe very highly in what way around does what it stands for and and that it goes beyond just being a product that we sell it's a way to get information it's a service provided for accessibility and i i just feel like it's going to change how we can how we can verify as blind people where we are and what we're doing so i highly believe in it uh, again if you want to contact us or if you have other questions you can email connect at wayaround.com that's kind of our uh, blanket uh contacting way around email so whether it's to inquire about becoming a public space or if you have questions about home and office or if you want to give us feedback about the app you know send it to us we we love to hear so, uh, also uh way around donated two door prizes um, yes. i think they've both been given out mm -hmm. but it, uh, two different types of the labeling uh things uh, whatever you call them. Um, I, just, I just thought of another question. Can I jump in here just one second, Donna? Yeah. Could, you know, like, uh, could one of the metal tags be put on a, a, a bus or a, 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 if you were taking a certain car on a rapid, I mean, if you took it daily, could, could they be put on a bus or <laughs> like if you're you waiting know, for. We would probably want like, so for example, uh, one thing uh that we do like our signs they're they're very professional quality signs we've worked with sign manufacturers to make these things and so you know if, if we're going to put something on a bus or a car we want to have a specialized you know method for doing that so that it would not fall off or or yeah. get damaged in the weather it, it, and that's like what i was going to say handle the yeah. weather yeah mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. but it would be possible uh, for sure okay. and and you know there's a lot of technologies out there like beacons, you know, that certain other technologies use and, you know, GPS. The reason why we went with NFC tags, there's no batteries, you know, uh, they'll last forever or as long as the material in that tag holds up, um, it's going to last forever. And so you don't have to worry about, um, you know, replacing batteries every year or things like that. And that's one of the things that happens with, you know, beacons or, or other indoor technology so it's it makes it very nice for um uh keeping that there permanently mm -hmm. oh, thank you mm -hmm. did we have any other hands tori no okay well michael thank you so much for being cool. here but also for for all your hard work over the years and developing apps and uh certainly expanding way around um and just thank you for being here and sharing it with us and again thank 
the company for their donation of door prizes. Mm -hmm. it, it's a good way to introduce people to the labels mm -hmm. and stuff, you know, where they get a free pack perhaps. And right. you know, yeah. it's kind of, <laughs> that's, that's a pretty it, good deal. You know, it's our, it's our goal to, to, you know, we kind of want people to use the home and office. And once you're used to it, then when you start seeing our, our tags out in public and our symbol, you know, our, all of our tags have a tactile symbol that you can, ah, this is a way around symbol. I can scan this. Yeah. And so as, as, as we, you know, expand, we want people to, to know us by that symbol. And, you know, we just want folks to know that, you know, wherever you see this, you will get the information. So we're, we're just glad that you guys had us come out to this and that we were able to, to, to share way around with you guys. All right. Thank you and have a good rest of the weekend. You guys as well and enjoy the rest of your conference and convention. Okay. Thank you. Bye -bye. Okay. We are winding down on our afternoon programming. Do we uh, want to do more door prizes? Well, yeah, I, I, I'm going to get to it here in just a second. Okay, okay. I'm excited. <laughs> I like giving them out. I think, I think Marsha has found, uh, we found a job for Marsha every yeah, year. Right. She, she, has like been, she has been the door, th door prize enthusiast. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, hurry up, I think time. she's doing a terrible job. I not my name yet. Oh, well, we're now, yeah. We're getting down there. Mine either. I so, vote for my name next. <laughs> yeah, so uh, we're we're going to be uh, going off the air here in just a little bit as soon as we do these door prizes, and then we'll be going into our at three thirty. We're going to start our business meeting, take a little break, um, and then we'll be back on ACB Media Eight at six thirty, and you will hear from a few more presenters at that time. Uh, so go ahead, Marcia, and put okay. my name, please. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it is getting loud, isn't it? <laughs> oh, this dog's probably really not happy. Next year, you'll know to put more marbles in there so you can hear it when it's full of paper. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The name we have is Conrad Bennett. Oh, that's okay. not my name. And what did it? What did he win? <laughs> Wait a minute. Let me see. <laughs> The next one on the list is, well, we have Carol McGee, but she's the, the, the giver. <laughs> Another uh, $25 uh, Amazon uh, gift card. Very nice. Okay. Very, very nice. good. Very good. Yes. Yes. And once again, although we're dropping the stream, the room will be left open as it is just about a 35 minute break. So okay. if you stay connected that, and walk away and mute, you can. That would be good. Okay, so if you are going away um, and if you accidentally got out, you use a, a link to get back in and we'll resume. We're going to try to start promptly at 3.30. Thank you, Nikki. Please let me know when we're off the stream. <laughs> 